Hello. Oh, good morning, sir. How are you? Ah, good morning. How are things good uh, going morning. Up, up there? Things are up here, and they are great. Um, having a big morning. Yeah. Yep. I've been up for almost an hour. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm out and I'm doing stuff. I'm, I'm making coffee. I'm, uh, you know, just doing all the kinds of things a man does. You're like How a are productive you? Uh, member of society all of a sudden. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I was able to make coffee and a seltzer. Oh. So I'm doing great. Oh, I'm gonna miss this, Dan. Oh, I know. I know. Did you know what this is? This is our penultimate. Uh... <laughs> You finally reached the epicenter of our last episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is our 250th episode. That means we've been we've crossed the uncrossable barrier of uh, of three episodes that we were predicted yes. to do. The event horizon is we've landed on the event horizon, <laughs> as as John Syracuse would say. Yes, on an infinite time scale. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And now we are, as you know, constitutionally uh, constitutionally obligated to stop doing the show. Yes. I'm going to miss it. Me too. Big time. Um, we should tell people, uh, hi, this is our 250th episode. We're not actually stopping the show. This is called a bit. Uh, and we're not actually stopping the show, but it's really, it's, it's very heartwarming. The number of people who send us panicky toots about it. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I always feel not too guilty, but a little bit guilty, uh, when uh when it ever we get to that point and there's a bit and 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 it goes i feel like it we i took it too far we took it too far but took it too far yeah well yeah and i mean you know it's it, on the one hand like it's uh it's it's it is uh it is incredibly heartwarming that people have listened to to more than one episode of the show but on the other hand i'm surprised they didn't get that it's a bit yet i know we've done it many times and i but i i think it we we first did an episode maybe it was 25 and then i think or 50 and then 100 and 150 and all of that and uh yes but it's fun. It's fun. It's all in good because you know if we were going to end the show wouldn't 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 250 be the right place to end it we wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. We, we just go away, like like a mailbox. <laughs> okay, now people are having fun on Twitter. Now everybody's talking about how it's the last episode. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, I no. the one thing that really struck me was that uh, the, the one gentleman who <laughs> said that he was about to unsubscribe because we had announced that the final episode was coming up. He was preemptively going to unsubscribe <laughs> from the show. That one was got he me. afraid he would continue to be billed. <laughs> right. Like what's why why is he I will not pay this fine that I've incurred. <laughs> oh, they're ending the show. Well, I better unsubscribe before that happens. <laughs> like I don't want to be I'm a not part of be that. Five by five's bitch anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I kid, but it's it's sort of like, you know, when grandpa does, I got your nose. And yeah, like, ah, again, call 911. <laughs> I want my nose, Grandpa. Uh, you know what made me feel like a horrible parent recently? Was, I would love to hear. Yeah, my uh, my boy, he was he was getting in bed, and uh, he was asking, you know, like he always does before bed, can I have some? Can I have a quarter? Can I have some money? And <laughs> at that point, I had uh, for some reason I had a quarter on me at the time, and I said, uh, I I said, you know what? And I, I pretended to cough into my hand, and lo and behold, I had coughed up a quarter. Oh my goodness! Right into my hand. <laughs> and then he's like, "Where did that quarter come from?" I said, "I just coughed it up." He's like, "I know you didn't just cough it up." And so, I, I, in in a way that I knew, just absolutely knew he would not fall for because he doesn't fall for any magic tricks ever that I ever do because I'm so bad at it. 
and I tr- subtly transferred it from one hand in, into the other by sort of letting it slide out of my hand into the other hand, which was waiting. And look, it's gone from my hand. He's like, I, I know how you did that. And I'm like, you did, <sighs> but how did I do this? And I reached over and magically pulled it from out of his ear. I said, it was oh in your goodness. ear all along. It was so bad. And he actually, like, he went along with it. And I don't know if, if he actually believed it. I feel like he believed it. And then he I, felt I, needed, sorry for I you. felt guilty right then. He, I think he felt, I think he felt pity for you. Okay. Uh, you know, as you know, Dan, there are so many ways in which I'm a failure as a person. But I feel like as as I move past middle age and into old age, yes. it is I think one of my one of my greatest failures is I've never learned to do dumb grandpa tricks. I don't know. I don't know how to. Guys, you got to quit this on the Twitter. This what is are they? Terrible. Are they? Are they tweeting it out like big time? Hectic, hectic dad. Listener, hectic dad says so terribly sad. The last episode of Back to Work is being recorded today. Oh no! Uh, listener Joe says good run. Sad to see it go. <laughs> uh, listener Jason from the eight six four says I can't believe it's the final episode. <laughs> Pour one out. So sad it's over. Says listener, what is gas? <sighs> and uh, listener Brian, longtime listener, hello Brian says since it's the last show, I think you should do a ninety minute. I think you're thinking of journey. Oh my gosh. I did that with Roderick the other day, and I'm not ready to repeat it. I'm, oh, I'm still exhausted. Seriously. Um, you know, but uh, here's the thing. I don't know if this is a consequence of being a World War II veteran or living through, through the Depression. But when I was a child, all old men pulled things out of one's nose and ear. There, you were I've never done it before. Cigarettes. I've never done it before, Merlin, ever. I've never even, you know, tried that. But, th- but when you were a kid, though, th- was that big in your family? My, my, I was always oh, having things pulled out of my you nose have and an ear. an uncle, right, who always does that. Sure, and and uh, I don't. I I've tried to do it, and it it looks exactly as bad as you'd expect. It looks like I already had a quarter in my hand. That's the trick. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, my daughter does this thing where uh, we don't have an established like policy on much of anything involving money. We've something we tried to work on, but we end up falling back on. And but she'll do this Hamburglar thing where she kind of walks up to where my wallet is and she does this tink 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 little step and looks at me with it. She's terrible at this. She looks at me and she takes a five dollar bill out of my wallet and waves it around. And I go, you can't do that. Please, please don't go in my wallet and <laughs> please don't take money. And if you're gonna steal, learn to do it right. Right. When the person's not looking or asleep. Here's the, here's the thing. If you're the Hamburglar, maybe don't dress like the Hamburglar. That's step one. <laughs> step one is if you want to get away with stealing a bunch of goddamn hamburgers, don't dress <laughs> like the most cartoonish thief of all time. I, I I feel like it's if you're wearing the accoutrements of a captured and imprisoned and clearly escaped <laughs> prisoner. You know what I mean? Like you've got I stripes do. on, you've got a mask. He's wearing the burglar. He's wearing a cat burglar mask. Yeah, that's an yeah. indication. That's what we call a clue in detective work. I, <laughs> you picked up on that. Yeah, I think he wants to be caught. Yeah, he's got a guilty, guilty conscience. <laughs> he's been processed through the system so many times. <laughs> he's making I'm, it easier for the uh, for the incarcerators to just they don't even have to give him a, a well, the new thing suit. Is if you're if, if you're an assistant manager and you're telling somebody to go sweep the parking lot, you look out. <laughs> there's literally a man dressed as a burglar. And what is, does he say? Robble, robble. Is that him? <laughs> do they did they eliminate the additional rubble, characters? Rubble. Grimace and the Hamburglar. And wasn't there a, an annoying female bird of some kind that came out? <laughs> Um, here's what I remember. When, when they went big with their characters, you had the canonical Ronald McDonald. Yeah. You had, uh, Mayor McCheese. 
who had a sash and was a hamburger that, that ruled with an iron hamburger fist. <laughs> and then you had Big Mac, who, who <laughs> was, was uh, the police chief, I guess, from the British Isles. At some point, and so Big Mac is about Big Macs. Mary McCheese is about cheeseburgers. You got the fry guys eventually, who are little fry people that you eat. Uh, to, to, to push the milkshakes, I think they brought out Grimace, who's a horrible, horrible uh, creature. <laughs> and uh, at some point, uh, I just you got, sent you uh, an, an image. There was oh, a bird. Oh, terrific. Okay, this will help. This will help a lot. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, you get the filet of fish guy with the bur- with the, with the parrot. Now, this, I can tell you just from looking at this, that this is at least from after I was a kid, because they'd gone, this is from the mid-80s, I'm going to guess. Yeah. Because they'd gone to making the Hamburglar a cute child. Right. He looks kind of like an obese version of uh, Chris Kringle from Santa Claus is Coming to Town. <laughs> yeah, there, um, he's too, he's filled with joy instead of a little bit of menace that he used to have. I like that he dressed up for the picture by putting on a tie with a burger with burgers on it. Now, but who's, I, this, who's this uh, scientist with the with the chicken McNuggets? I don't know. I'm looking for an older picture that that has Mayor McCheese on, on it as well as we speak. But yeah, this oh yeah, is I think too they, new. they got they got sunsetted like mailbox. <laughs> well, you yes, got, you got the bird girl. What's the bird girl represent? <laughs> fun. I bet she represents fun. Just fun. Yeah, I, you know, the thing is, the people who come up with this stuff, I don't, I think they not only don't have kids, I think they probably never were kids. It's like, oh, whoever God. invented clowns was never a child. I don't, I don't, there's nobody, nobody has ever enjoyed a clown. No. Look at this guy, look at this guy. I have you to know, tell you, know, you. You know who played him? You, you, you talk about clowns and you bring it up, but for me, the fear, I grew up in Philadelphia and we went to the Ringland Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, which came through town. It seemed like it came through a lot. And the only two memories that I have were one was the smell of the elephant dung, the overpowering, mm. all permeating smell of the elephant dung, number one. And number two, the sheer terror that a clown would pick me to go out onto the stage in the beginning part. In the oh, so you do everything you can to look like a kid who does not want to and should not be picked. Right. Right? Don't you find yourself doing that? You're going yes. like, I don't know what I need to do with my face. I should have practiced this a long time ago. I really want to not be noticed by a clown. That's right. What do I what do I have to do? And the thing is, and this is this is the really screwed up part, is this is how a clown's <laughs> this is how a clown's mind works. Is they see the kids. They see the oh. kids that don't want to get clowned. And you know, you know that kid's gonna get picked. Hey, hey come it up, Daddy. <laughs> Reach in my pocket. That's a balloon. <laughs> I got a van. I've uh, put the uh, this on Wikipedia, which is never wrong. Uh, cool, coolrophobia, coolrophobia, c o u l r o phobia, a specific fear of clowns has sometimes been discussed in terms of a specific phobia. What a terrible sentence! The term is not listed in the uh, World Health Organization's ICD-10, nor in the Americans uh, the APA's DSM-5. You know why? Because those joints are run by clowns. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. This is how it works. Don't 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 worry about the cabals. Don't worry about the Jews running Hollywood. You worry about the goddamn clowns that are that are running the uh, the psych- psychiatric uh, organizations. Can you imagine what those conventions are like? It looks like one of these characters is a pirate. Yes, uh, I should know his name. I think he <laughs> Captain Fish. Captain I think, Fish. I don't remember. He. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not Captain Fish. <laughs> well, I look at these and I see the bankruptcy of imagination here. <laughs> What if, the, what, if the, what if the burgers had eyes? Well, you mean like, wait a minute, so they're supposed to be like people? No, 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 they're definitely burgers, but they got googly eyes. Okay, do they all have cheese? No, some of them got cheese. 
All right, where do we keep them? In a treasure chest. In a treasure chest? Who, who keeps cheeseburgers in a treasure chest? Yeah, but here's the thing. The bun it turns into a mouth. Turns into a mouth. So do they eat each other? No, they're burgers. So why do they have a mouth? So they can talk. They like to laugh and dance and sing. Print it. What are the uh, the sort of pom-poms with feet? Yeah, there's pom-poms with legs. They look almost like a character from Gumball. And uh, some have high tops, some have roller skates. Right. And then they have pom-poms. They have meta-pom-poms, the ones with skates. Oh, I see. The girls skate and, and the boys do sports. Mm. Typical. <laughs> Who are the clowns running this organization? I, I want to learn more about Professor Chicken. You think that's how chicken? <laughs> I'm, I can't, and, and you know what? There's not a lot of information about this. I'm looking McDonald's, um, not characters, but mascots? McDonald's characters. Oh, I found a list. I found a list. All right. Names. Here's a list. Oh, goodness. And McDonald Land. There's one called Officer Big Mac. Do you remember yes. the Mac Tonight guy? Oh, right. He was supposed to be kind of like Max Headroom. He, he was like a Max Headroom, Mac the Knife guy who would sing. Yeah, it's that was in the, that tonight. was. I think that was in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Captain yes, yes. Crook. Oh, Captain Crook. And the professor is the. He, <laughs> fish. He's just the professor. <laughs> yes, that's what you call like a like a like a jazz sax player, not a guy who deals with nuggets. And why is he wearing plaid pants? I don't know. So Captain Crook. Captain so Crook. So I'm guessing he looks a lot like Fagin the Jew from. Uh, oh, wow. From, no, 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 no. That was his name, Fagin. From all. Did you never read Oliver Twist? I, got I, to I guess pick a I didn't read that two. part. Got to pick a pocket or two. <laughs> That's what they call him. And then they sanitize, and they just call him Fagin. Like people aren't going to get it. <laughs> He's the one who uh, recruits all the boys to pick pockets. I'm guessing Captain Crook does something similar. He says, "Would you like to pet my green bird?" The Happy Meal Gang. Oh, the Happy Meal Gang. Yeah, you know, I remember it was the Bloods, there was the Crips, and then you had, I think Ice-T did a song about them. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Birdie um, the Early Bird. Oh, she's breakfast. <laughs> so the wow, first you female character. Oh my goodness, she's a groundbreaker. She's like the Lucille Ball of fast food. The Fry Kids. Oh yeah, keep your eyes on your fries. <laughs> Remember that? Mayor McCheese, Officer Big Mac, Captain Crook, the Professor, <laughs> Uncle O'Grimacy. <laughs> yeah, see <clears throat> mm, if I if I uh, Such a weird I, time, the seventies. It is a weird time, but I I think if I were still in college and smoking a lot of weed and reading Marxist criticism, I think I would be able to talk about this for like a whole weekend. Because <laughs> I think it represents what you see here. Uh, if we assume that this whole world is an intact world in which these characters live, I think some real serious stuff has gone down over the years. First of all, they overthrew the government and the governing body. So there's no more mayor and we don't have a police force anymore. Now we have we have a bird. We've got a, we've got a little kid who steals the food. And we got a uh, we got a pirate that recruits pickpockets, and then the, the head character is the clown, Grimace. Look at that guy. <sighs> the Hamburglar has been reintroduced. Uh, there is an uh, article here on the Huffington Post. Oh yeah, they made him hot. He, they made him hot, right? Uh, is he handsome? Did they make a handsome? He hamburger? is handsome. Right. <clears throat> he's he's wearing sort of yeah. Uh, he's. N just sort of a costumed man. Here's a link to that. Well, he looks like he's wearing... He looks like he's... T t I, I don't... Oh, here you go. You sent me a link. Yeah. He, as, if memory serves, he looks like he's wearing a hamburger costume that he got off Amazon. 
What are you? What are you supposed to be? I'm the hamburger. <laughs> like a party city hamburger. But he looks a little bit like the spirit. He's got. He's got. He's got red Back to the Future shoes. Yeah, and he's going shh as he holds up a burglar. This is super creepy, and he's got a fedora, of course, mm-hmm. with a red uh, band on it. I mean, a yellow band on it, and red gloves. Actually, actually, it's two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a pan. So it's um, <clears throat> um, yeah, this is a this is a horrific vision. I'm so glad he's back, though. Yeah, yeah. Look at that guy. I, you know, that's good for him. He pulled himself up by his uh, Reeboks. <laughs> Huh. Did you ever see the hot Japanese uh, uh, Ronald McDonald lady? No, but now I'm Googling it. Ronald McDonald. Yeah, yeah, you gotta check her out. Yeah, they did kind of like a... uh, Oh, Hirajuku. I have seen this. Yeah, sure you did. Look at her. Yeah. She loves that burger. Are you talking about the one with garters or the... Oh, yeah, I guess she's got... She's got a very heavily stylized. Oh, that one. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, she's more like a manga. I've like s- manga girl. Right. I've seen the one who is a uh the one who looks like Jean Grey holding Yes, I've seen her. Yeah. Oh, this Japanese, oh this Japanese Ronald McDonald guy is creepy looking. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it's been a good run, Dan. Yeah, man. Uh, I I'm going to really hate to see it go. I know. <clears throat> Do you know who played the original Ronald McDonald? Do you see up there, up there in the uh, in the links there? Do you see original Ronald McDonald? No. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Yeah. Go have a look. See if you can figure out who that is. I didn't. I now that I'm seeing this sort of Harry Juku girl version of Ronald McDonald, I find that 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 could work. I think today better. Yes. Bringing the kids. Yeah. <clears throat> if you go and look, uh, I'll send this to you. This is from the Huffington Post. I've seen this picture <laughs> many places before. <clears throat> Originally, um, Ronald McDonald, uh, uh, turns out, was in, invented in 1963. Uh, he's a clown. <laughs> he's got a- <laughs> That's real? Hi, kids. Oh, my gosh. So, he's got a, he's got a striped outfit. Where uh, do you start he- with this? Where do you start? He's got... <laughs> there's so many... Semiotically, there's so many things going on with this. He's wearing white Mickey Mouse gloves. He's got super creepy makeup. He's got like a shock wig on. Uh, he looks a little bit like Bozo, except there's a couple things to note here. One is that he has a cup for a nose, like a literal cup. Another is that he appears to have a box of food built into his gut. And another box of food that he's wearing is a hat. And that's Willard Scott. Willard Scott? Yeah, the guy from the TV. So weird. Willard Scott from the t- Today yeah, Show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Today Show. This mm. is just bizarre to me. Yeah. What, whatever happened to mascots, though, in general? Like, why did, like, you remember how, I don't, I don't know about you, but I grew up in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and, and the, the Philly fanatic was like, the coolest, it was the coolest thing. Like, it was just so cool. And, like, sometimes the fanatic would, like, come to your school or something. Like, he had, he had a lot of attitude, Dan. Yeah, he did. And it, but it was just, it was, like, that was half, as a kid, that was half the reason I wanted to go to a baseball game a few times a year was, like, maybe you'd get a chance to, like, and unlike a clown, I wanted to be picked to do something by the Philly fanatic, and I was never picked. You could tell he was going to take you places he hadn't been before. Yeah. You know he had I mean? a car a- that he could drive. I mean, he had everything. Like, it was amazingly cool. And mascots huh. are really not a big part of you know, that's stuff a shame, anymore. But 
there's a part of me that would love to just show up at the DMV in Philadelphia, and the Philadelphia fanatic is in line. He's like playing with his BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah. In order to be able to drive Blackberry. his little car around. Bonk, bonk. He had, did he have like a horn nose, like a horn for a nose? Uh, he, is that he, him? He, he, well, it, I mean, you could call it a horn. It was a proboscis that had oh, a, yeah, an right. extendable tongue inside of it. <laughs> oh, no, really? Yes. I, I uh, To your point, oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm going to close that tab. Um, yes, I agree. It's a shame they don't have mascots anymore. But, you know, everything's changing now. You got the Internet. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I, am, <clears throat> I am such a perspicacious uh, uh, mind about about you know public culture and discourse pretty much i feel like i can just always just say you know this is the internet now yeah i don't know there used to be a lot more of that super creepy stuff and i i will this is one of my one of my numerous youtube rat holes i'll go down is uh, rabbit holes is uh, going into like looking at old tv ads because boy are they ever different and barry manilow you know barry manilow used to write some of those songs he wrote you deserve a break today really yep 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 do you think having a song like, there's always a local mattress company that has a computer-animated commercial uh, with yes. their own song. <laughs> Do you have master- mattress discounters? I don't think I have that one. Want to hear their jingle? Yeah. <clears throat> mattress discounters! That's it. That's it. <laughs> Outback Steakhouse. Steak from the Outback. <laughs> really? <laughs> Did you want to take a second pass at that? Were you really in that much of a of a hurry to to shoot off to Vale this weekend? Oh man, Outback Steakhouse steak from the Outback. Really? What'd you pay for that? But like, do we need do we need that? Do we need like somehow? I feel like there is this self celebration going on with the local mattress company or whoever it is that they get to the point where they're like, we we finally have enough money not only to do our own commercial, but we can make it a computer animated commercial where the owner of the company will have his own custom animated avatar. And that avatar could introduce some of the not computer animated employees and have them sing the jingle. <laughs> right. So you pay somebody to do some motion graphics yeah. of a rough approximation of the boss with a big head. And then he walks around and makes a lot of grand gestures with his arms and points at mattresses, right? It's so, uh, and, and it's so not original. Like they've all done it. They all have to do it. Oh, do you see what, uh, do you see what Bob is doing in, uh, in, in Atlanta? We got to do that here. Those bastards at sleep train are really own, owning this space. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yes, totally. Five, eight, eight, two, three hundred empire. Yes, we have that. Now they had to add an 800 in front of it. <laughs> it's really clunky. Eight hundred five eight eight two three hundred. That was originally I want to say Chicago. I think that was on like WGN. WGN. Remember that? I do remember that. Do you remember the whatever? What was the commercial where they would they'd say, "Look, it's Phil Rizzuto," and oh, for the money store, the money store. That that one always sticks with me. Yeah, he was a he played baseball, right? Yeah, he was a baseball player. Was he a catcher? Uh I don't know. I know no. No, well, he played for the he played for the Yankees. Yankees, yeah, but I don't so, remember. I think he was just, just. Does he count as a mascot? I think he's more of a <laughs> spokesman. Yes, I would love that. I would love to be a spokesman for something, and 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 just you don't really have to do anything. It seems like you just sort of show up occasionally. I've told you about that uh, uh, Dan Marino thing, right? We talked about that on this show, right? Uh, remind me. He was like a spokesperson for. Some kind of a car. I don't think it was CarMax. It was something. We've talked. We haven't talked about this. And 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 he would. 
he'd be on these commercials. This was in South Florida. He'd be on these commercials, and he, he, this was something that you could just tell they dragged him out on a Sunday afternoon where he'd rather be playing golf. And yeah. he was so not interested in, in doing the commercial. He was so not interested in it. And you knew he was just, he just needed to get some kind of, you know, alimony check or something written. But they got a, got a boat payment. Yeah, whatever it was that he just did not want to be there. And, and, and he's like, oh, and come out on Sunday. I'll be hanging out with the cars. <laughs> and apparently you could go to the location and he would be on the lot, walk, roaming around. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, so he Frank Sinatra'd that one. Yeah. Like one and done. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it would be a neat way to retire, though. Post-retirement, you know, you just hang out in a car dealership. Did, um, you uh, you never did end up getting into Bob's Burgers, right? No, but it's still on, high on my list of things. I'm, I'm starting Fargo now. Oh, man. So I'm in the first season of that. Oh, yeah. You can skip straight to the better second season. First season's amazing, though. They're both great. Um I uh, I had a, a realization yesterday. I, I'd like to share with the audience. Uh, as of yesterday, I have uh, I've changed my favorite episode of Bob's Burgers. Okay, it's a pretty big deal for me. For a long time, the the runaway easy favorite was called Turkey in a Can. Turkey in a Can, and that's the one. Uh, it's a you know you should watch it for yourself. But it's a Thanksgiving episode, and it's about Bob trying to make a turkey and having some problems. Um, my new favorite. Uh, S4E11 is called Easy Commercial, Easy go Commercial, <laughs> And it's from, uh, let's see, January 2014. It's a Super Bowl-related episode. And it involves Bob, who has this rivalry with the uh, Jimmy Pesto, the guy across the street who runs the more successful Italian restaurant. And, uh, and they get a, a retired football player to do a commercial for them. And it's really, <laughs> really good. I was in a lot of commercials today. Um, so... <laughs> Easy commercial, easy go commercial. Phil Rizzuto, Hamburglar. Uh, helped a lot of people today, Dan. Yep. Let me tell you about our first sponsor. Woo! It is Slack. What? Really? Yes. I use Slack. I know you do. Slash Jiffy Space Slack. <laughs> Slack is great because I'm, are there people still not using Slack? If that's the case, you gotta uh, you gotta fix that. It helps if you know other people. It does. It's a good way to meet people. I hear yes. it's like it's like Tinder for nerds. Mm. Swipe. What do you? Which way do you swipe? Uh, you just type slash Jiffy S- slash swipe. Mm-hmm. A messaging app for teams. That's what Slack is. <laughs> and what they do is they bring all of your communication at work and and really outside of work, but all of it into one place. And they integrate with tools and services that you're probably already using. And they do this with one goal in mind, and that is to make people's working lives simpler, more pleasant, and more productive. But there's so much you can do about it. The way that, the way that I like to use Slack, especially useful if you're doing a lot of different projects, is you can have one different room for each of the different projects. But there's a, a really cool Slack here in Austin. It's called ATX Built. And... It's really cool because you get people who are designers and developers and, and programmers and things like that who can just, they can show up in the Slack and they can find a group that's interesting and, and talk about it. So we have rooms like, you know, designers, developers. We've got a, a barbecue room where people will talk about, oh, did you hear about this cool barbecue restaurant that just opened up? But we also have a co-working one so that people who want to co-work can like open their office and say, hey, we're opening up co-working today or where's a good place to go if I'm in this part of town? We see people who like when we were moving offices, I mentioned to a bunch of people like we've got a desk available. Come and, and pick it up. 
great stuff like that. But then you can get into like real nitty gritty of like, how do you actually work? We have it tied into GitHub. I have it tied into Trello so that when somebody like completes a task in Trello, I get a notification in, in one of the rooms about it. When we post a show in the 5x5 Slack, it notifies there's a channel that just shows when things are, are posting. You can tie it into Twitter like that. You can tie it into GitHub like that. You can do all of this stuff. IF, uh, IFTTT. Uh, yeah, tell me about that because I'm, I'm not using that as much as you are. Oh, oh, I don't use it. I, I'm, in Slack that I'm in, people use it. Basically, there's an integration where you can have it you know, the same way that people like, uh, you know, retweet their stuff from other places, you can have a trigger, I believe, that will send stuff uh, into a Slack channel. It's so cool. I mean, they've got yeah. Google Drive integration, MailChimp integration, all the stuff that you want to learn about and get notified about and use in addition to just really cool chat. So you can do a thing where you can insert like a Jiffy GIF. Do you say GIF or GIF? I'm trying to say GIF, but it still sounds weird. Yeah. But you can like, if you want to have like a fun reaction to something or post a funny image, that's integrated. You can do all kinds of, what's really cool is like if somebody posts something and you want to respond to it, you can just add a little emoji response to it. And they've got a whole bunch of custom ones. There's Slack bots that you can make that will perform functions and answer questions and have funny responses. It just, it, they've thought of everything and they make group collaboration so much easier. It is cut down on the volume of email that I get so dramatically. It's replaced things like IRC uh, it's, and, and I am for the most part. And what's great is there's like logs of stuff. So if you want to see a discussion you had with a developer or a designer from a week ago, uh, you can just scroll back and it's there and you can see it. It's I just can't say enough good about yeah, Slack. Yeah, let me just add a little bit to that. Please um, do. One, one thing I really like about it is it, it can, like a lot of great tools, it can be used for a variety of different things, depending on how you and your team like to work. Is is what I like about it. So you know, you can you can basically, um, I mean, if if you're if you're a terrible communicator, nothing will work for you. Right. <laughs> but if you're an even okay good communicator, it can be really great because you can have just a very basic policy about like what goes in general, like what goes in like subgroups. Like I'm on one Slack I'm on has like a Doctor Who channel so you keep all the doctor who stuff out of the main thread right and you can talk about doctor who over here stuff like that is great you can also have a group where you can also just uh private message people which is actually really great or you can make your own little room so i have slacks i'm on where it's just like me and two other people because nobody else really needs to know about it or like for example there's a slack for this show and that show uh, on the podcast network or whatever um but then here's 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 what's cool about it is like you say it does cut down hugely on the amount of internal email and internal messaging. But what's nice then also is you can kind of have it all in one place. So you can always go back and search for stuff. Uh, and especially if you've got a paid plan, yeah. you, you have the entire history uh, to be able to go back and find stuff that you want in there. Things like file attachments even, stuff like that. But now, do you need all of that? Maybe not. But you know, to me, again, it's a little bit like starting any kind of a CMS or a wiki. Like, start out with the most basic stuff and then only kind of build out as needed. And then I think sl something Slack will tell you, something Stuart, like, has done inside the company is, like, go in and periodically archive and sunset, like Mailbox. You can go in and close out certain areas of it and say, okay, well, we're done with this discussion now. Or, you know, uh, yeah. And it's got stuff like two-factor authentication. You make sure everybody's who they say they are. And uh, it's really nice. It's, it's, it's a terrific app that you can and should mold to the needs of your group. And if you're on multiple Slacks, 
it's super handy. Like in the Mac app, it's got a key command, like command one, command two, command three to move between different ones. And you can set very granular notifications. So if there's, like, I'm still subscribed to the XOXO channel. And so, like, if somebody mentions uh, my name in there, I, I get a notification. A little highlight. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, just, I would encourage people to try this out. It won't cost you anything to give it a spin. Uh, we should mention it. It is a website. It is a Mac OS X app. It is an iOS app. It is an Android app. Yeah, actually, I think this is something we're going to be talking about more in the show is like it's, you know, it's it's one tube and many, many apps and implementations. It's, you know, kind of endlessly fungible. But uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, it's excellent stuff. And uh, to to wrap it up, slack.com slash back to work. If you go there and make a new team, you're going to get a hundred bucks in credit that you can use when you decide to upgrade to a paid plan, a paid plan when you when you decide to do that. So, uh, again, slack.com slash back to work get a hundred bucks in credit. Thanks very much to Slack for supporting 5x5 and back to work with Merlin Man. The booyah. Bok, bok. <clears throat> I'm a little phlegmy today. Phlegmy? Like you get, you're coming down with something? You know what? I, I, I wondered a little bit last night. We were watching Santa Claus is coming to town and, and, and I was feeling a little scratchy. Boy, that show is weird. I haven't seen it. Oh, come on. Nah. Rankin Bass? Was it that the stop motion we picture put one? One one foot in oh, front with of the, the other. Yeah, with the abominable snowman. Uh, well, yeah. Oh, it's, his name is Winter. Yeah, I was played by Keenan Wynn. And they, abominable they have snowman the... is uh, you're talking about the Bumble. That's in uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Okay, I'm getting things confused. I and have seen. Very I remember confusing. that song. Yeah, I think the budget for this was almost five dollars. <laughs> they reuse. They accidentally, I think, reuse the same character in three different roles. He has a very distinctive look. He has these diamond-shaped eyeglass frames. Yeah. And he he is the, the king, the former king of, of this area. Then he's also the doctor who takes care of the Meisterburger, um, uh, Burgermeister. Burgermeister, Meisterburger? The Burgermeister, Meister, yeah. And then, uh, and then he's also a guy who's cowering in fear in his house. <laughs> All in the same show? Yep. And then there's a whole lot of real flimsy explanations for the whole Santa mythology. Yeah, uh, it's it's a really good program. I I love watching it with my kid. It really feels like the holidays when we're watching those shows or listening to uh, my daughter. My, my daughter has recently declared her all time favorite song is "Santa Claus Is Coming to Town" by the Jackson Five. Oh wow! So that's a that's a nice thing. It it, it has replaced uh, Maps by the Yeah Yeah Yeah. Okay. I think. <laughs> she see the video for that? Oh my god, we watch it almost every day. Okay. We just we we watch it and sing it every day. And she turns to me and she goes, um, "Maps, my Angus, please stay." Can you believe? Can you believe Angus didn't come to see her video being shot? Uh, it made, like her made her cry. Made her cry a little bit. It made her cry in the video. Yep. Yeah. My Angus, please stay. Oh well, since we're talking about, I've oh my god, I love that song so much. I want to hear it right now. <gasps> could you drop in the entire song right now yeah. and, and post? <clears throat> or uh, you could do that, or I could sing it for you. Ah, uh, that would be better. Yeah, we should probably just put it in. Okay. Wait. They don't love you like I love you. Wait. <clears throat> Maps. Ah, so good. Such a good song. I love the guitars on that so much. That's one of the greatest songs the last ten years. I'm just going to say that. <sighs> Did you like it when it came out, or? Uh, I, I have to tell you how I found out about it. Actually, it might be more than ten years old now. Uh, I found out about it because there was a time. Time was I was really obsessed, uh, like with that Kelly Clarkson song "Since You've Been Gone." Yes. And uh, Ted Leo uh, did a cover of Since You've Been Gone that's amazing that we should find for notes. <clears throat> and uh, it's kind of a medley of Since You've Been Gone and Maps. 
and it's really good. That's that's the first time I heard it. And then I, when I finally heard the Yeah Yeah Yeahs version, because I don't really listen to the radio, I was like, wow, that's that Ted Leo song. Mm. Ted Leo's a good man. You ever listen to Ted Leo? Um, I'll take that as a no. He's a very talented fella. Maybe? Ted Leo and his pharmacist. No. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's that album of his I like? Is it not Biomusicology? What's the name of his album? Ted Leo. Is this, is this the show? It could be. I mean, we can start it at any point. I'll edit yeah, all okay. this stuff out. Check out uh, Ted Leo and the Pharmacist uh, 2001 album, The Tyranny of Distance. Tyranny of Distance. That's a line from a Split End song. Six Months in a Leaky Boat. The Tyranny of Distance. You know? And we're back. Uh, I got a I got a lot of things to put in notes here, Dan. And we got <laughs> stuff to talk about. We got we got fu. Yep. We got pseudo fu. We got we got topics. <clears throat> Ta- topics. Yes. Hot topics. I got to find. Got a note to find Ted Leo. Things. Find. Yeah, so my Angus, please stay. I have a recommendation. <laughs> a musical recommendation. She's crying. You know, she's really crying in that video. Yes, that's, that's, real. that's real. That's real tears. It's genuine tears. Angus didn't show up. Can you believe that? Can you believe he, he didn't show up for her video? I don't know why he wouldn't. Hmm. It's pretty cute. And the song's about him. I know. That's what made it so emotional. They said, just roll. Just roll. Maybe it. he knew and he spaced it. Maybe he was stealing burgers. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? Well, I, w- I was going to say, I, I recommend there's a new album that we found uh, that, that I feel like it's a kid album uh, in, in the way that all of They Might Be Giants albums are kid albums. But I think this one is not quite as kid targeted as like ABC, but closer. Um, it's the second album that they've come out with this year. The first one, Glean, for for us grownups. And the second one, uh, geared toward kids called Why. And if you have a kid uh, who listens to lyrics and songs, this is a, a really, really great album. We're listening to it on constant rotation. So I, I just wanted to mention that. That's great. Put it in notes. I wish they would uh, introduce uh, They Might Be Giants into the core curriculum. It's good stuff. It's really good it stuff. It is. I mean, they, they, I think they have the potential, maybe not quite, but they almost have the potential to be the new Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. Where my, my, my kid actually improbably loves Schoolhouse Rock. We have a, finally, we, uh, you know, instead of just watching on YouTube, we bought a DVD of it, and uh, which is very hard to rip. But you can go in and you can watch, you know, Mother Necessity, Nouns, Person, Place, or Thing, Lolly, Lolly, Lolly. Think about how much stuff, for myself anyway, so much stuff I learned and still remember. Right. Could you could you recite the preamble to the Constitution before Schoolhouse Rock? Oh, no, I no. don't know if I could still do it, though. Can you? <laughs> we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Wow. So I'll take that as a yes. Yeah. Boom. Where's my goddamn bell? Oh, Roderick, move my bell. Um, <clears throat> hey, that's the stuff. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, that's a good pick. Hey, Dan, uh, for this, the uh, epicenter of the penultimate episode of Back to Work, episode 250, could you tell people where to find show notes in as much as you're able? Sure. Episode 250 of your Back to Work program? Yes, uh, 5x5.tv slash uh, B as in back, 2 as in the number, W as in women, slash 250. Two five zero. Yes, sir. And never get never get past three. 
No. Merlin quits things. Derp to derp. Yeah. Three episodes. Yeah. That's all you guys are going to do. Yep. Three in, three in Glee. Five in live. Um, follow up. <laughs> follow up. Um, <laughs> the crazy walls. Yeah. Do you enjoy that crazy wall? Still, it's, you know, and yeah. I saw you were tweeting with the author of the site saying, yeah, I didn't here to know that you. was you. Phil Gifford's a guy I've been following forever. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a, he's a tall English guy who's very English, uh, English and interesting. And Phil, uh, turns out does crazy walls. And I did not know that. And so uh, you should check out crazywalls.tumblr.com. And apropos of uh, one of our topics today, you know what else he does? You can go see it on his bio, on his Twitter. Uh, he does our incredible journey. Do you ever look at that? I have not. <laughs> uh, he has three tumblers uh, that I'm aware of. He has the Samuel Pepys Diary, where he's reposting the diary of Samuel Pepys as though it were a tumbler. He does Crazy Walls, where he shows people with uh, you know evidence dungeons and various kinds of uh, things all over the walls. And then he does Our Incredible Journey, which is where <laughs> where he reposts when a company announces that they've been aqua-hired or that their product is dead. Oh, wow. Because they're always referring to their incredible journey. <laughs> You know, that is really clever. He He's has so a ton smart. of really good ideas. You know, one one thing that I, I want to ask you or perhaps uh, we, we could ask him is I'm wondering if is a crazy wall a real thing? Like, was that something people did that then got picked up or is it simply a creation of media in the way that we imagine the a crazy person might construct a wall? Right, right. That's a really good question because you think about stuff like, um, you know, when America found out like what Ed Gein had been doing, or when they, you know, we learned about Ted Bundy. Right. I'm not even going to say Manson because Manson was was weird in a different way. Sure. But the kinds of like like Ed Gein's house having you know lampshades made out of skin and stuff right, like that, right. all the kind of stuff that became Silence of the Lambs, right, comes heavily from stuff like Ed Gein. And like you know, it's funny how like then that becomes the template for like a a crazy serial killer. Right. You must you must have lampshades made out of human yeah. skin. Yeah. Yeah, so I wonder where that goes back. I'm thinking we talked probably in one of the first episodes or when we first started talking about clutter and hoarding, those two brothers in New York City that lived inside the uh, the house full of newspapers and one of them got killed by a collapsing tower of newspapers. I forget what their names were. The two brothers and they lived in this like incredibly crazy cluttered house. Uh, and I'm wondering if there's something similar for crazy walls. Yeah. What is the genesis of the crazy the wall? The genesis of the crazy wall. I got a crazy wall kind of right in front of me. I got all my kids, a bunch of my kids' drawings and photos on the wall, and it looks crazy. I'm, I really want a crazy wall, though, especially after finding the site and seeing how common it seems to be to have one. I've definitely had kinds of crazy walls. I'm going to take a picture of this and send it to you. It's really if crazy. You, if you step, like, let's say that you had a friend and you had never visited the friend's home or office, and they said, oh, why don't you come by after lunch? I got, you know, I got the new uh, Apple uh, smart battery for my phone charging up. I want you to see it. And you, right. you go over there and they've got a full-on crazy wall. That not, not the crazy wall of like pictures of you and your family on it, but just of whatever topic they happen to be really interested in that you didn't know about. And they have a full-on crazy wall. Do you ask them about it? Do you act like it's normal? Do you, you know, do you point something out? There's yeah, a, cra- like you know, somebody I, had a crazy somebody wall had a in, mole, in a, a mole on their face or right, BO. Right. Like you, you want to be polite. Right. Do you bring it up? Is it, is it in and of itself an offensive thing to, to notice it? Do you act like you don't notice it? Is there, I noticed there was a crazy wall in um, The Usual Suspects, an unintentional oh, yeah? crazy wall, uh, I think, of just stuff that they've tacked up in like a interview break room. 
Like, is a break room with a lot of stuff on it, a lot of advertisements for different things, babysitting, car washing. It, does that kind of a wall lend itself to being a crazy wall unintentionally? Yes. This is super interesting. And like, for example, have you been in an office, especially back in the days of the giant like CRT monitors um, with like, you know, the big, not bezels, but, you know, they had lots of edges on them and uh, people would like fill that up entirely with like post-it notes. Does that become a, a flavor of Crazy Wall? That's right. What is a Crazy Wall? A crazy Wall is a place where you put all of the facts and evidence and then try to make connections. Yeah. Isn't that kind of the essence of a Crazy Wall? Right. You are, you are, it, it seems like a combination of brainstorming and documentation, photographic and otherwise, all in one place. It's a way, essentially, of uh, seeing all the blueprints. Yes. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think there are many flavors of Crazy Walls. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to think about that. So, Phil. Thank you, Phil, for uh It's for Phil Rizzuto. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm Sandy Fry. I'll be hanging out Bob's with the burgers class. go great with Fry. You got to watch it. You got to watch this program, man. I, well, I'm going to... I've got a list. I'm working through the list. Huh. 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 Finally caught up with American Horror Story, which is uh, good. Oh. You seen that? No, it's come highly recommended. Skip season three, completely pretend it didn't exist. It's episode one. Uh, just do one, two, and then four. Five. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's a horror, horror show. Yes, uh, but it's... Real, real horror show. It's good. No, it's uh, uh, Vidi Well. <laughs> you should enjoy it. It's, it's good. It's real good. All right. Hmm. Boy, that uh, that Fargo is something, man. This this season two is just. Crazy I've heard, balls. I, the reason I started in on it was because of your tweets about season two, and I felt like I owed it to see well, season what, one. What I what I can tell you without spoiling it, and I, I've said this before, but uh, but sometimes even within the first frames of the episode, I turn to my wife and I go, "Damn it, Fargo is so Fargo. This show, it's so strange that they could take the the premise and the ticks of the Fargo movie." and redeploy it in this very creative way down to where there are shots. There was a shot in last night's episode, so to speak, that reminds me heavily of no country for old men. You'll see people like running through snowy woods and go like, God, this is, this is so much. There's so much like just Cone brothers feeling in general, even though they're, they're just like executive producers. I don't think they're cre involved creatively in the show, but uh, no, it's, it's really satisfying. And you know, who's good on there is Landry, uh, Jesse Plemons. Did you ever watch Friday night lights? Uh, I have seen it. It was filmed. You remember here. Landry, the red-haired kid? Yeah, yeah, he's amazing in this. He's uh, he had put on like a, a pretty large amount of weight for another role, I think, in a movie. So you, you hardly recognize him. He's so big. So him and Kirsten Dunst are uh, are a couple in this, and it's they're amazing. Um, so that's television. So thank you to Phil for doing Crazy Walls and for doing our incredible journey. Uh, I want to, you know, I, uh, I want to promote something new I'm doing. Ah. I've got a new, I've got a new podcast, uh, with Max Temkin, uh, called, uh, Top Scallops. You can find more at Top Scallops, topscallops.tv. And it's a podcast where, uh, Max, this is Max from Cards Against Humanity, uh, and the internet and, uh, and, and many, many good works in the world. Uh, Max and I are, uh, watching, uh, Top Chef together this season and talking about it every week. So that's something you can check out. We've got two episodes. We've got episode zero, which is where we talk about our background with the show and with reality stuff and cooking in general. And then we just did episode one, uh, came out the other day, probably what, yesterday. And, uh, and it's going through, uh, 
the first two episodes, which dropped uh, within a day of each other. So if you enjoy uh, Top Chef, and, and, and to answer the question that, that several people have asked, no, I don't think you have to watch Top Chef to enjoy this. When I was on with uh, with your friend Andy Anotko to talk about uh, <laughs> what Max calls Top Dress, to talk about Project Runway, uh, a lot of people enjoyed that show, even though they hadn't seen the actual TV program. Well, so, and I, anyway. would, I would say that if you haven't seen the program and you're wondering if you should see it, listening to two people you like talking about it is a good way to get interested in the show. That's that's true. And so like in, the, in this episode that came out yesterday, you know, not to be pedantic, but we do things like describe a little bit like how the show works. Like what is the quick fire challenge? What's the elimination challenge? And then obviously to appreciate when we're making fun of the different dingling cooks, like it helps to watch. But, but to be honest, we ended up, uh, Dan, we ended up talking a lot about mise en place, which is something we've talked yes. about here. Expertise. So, you know, the secret uh, that I'll let out this early in the season is it's it's going to be about, it's about Top Chef, but it's just, it's also about people and how we work together and how we think and the creative process and cooking and what all those things uh, teach us about life. But, but, but imagine it's just about Top Chef. Hmm. Is hmm. it in the show notes? Can they find it that way? I think so. Simplecast took a dirt nap earlier today, but I think it's back now. Hmm. Topscallops.tv. Nice. Anyway, you know, not for everybody. Uh, wait, web page not available. I got this, I got this enforcer on uh, Chrome that forces HTTPS, and it gets really confusing. I know sometimes. that thing you're talking about. KB, what's it called? K Barticles. KBSSL Enforcer. <laughs> that sounds like malware. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that your copy of KB Enforcer is outdated? Anyway, <laughs> and I think that's mostly. I got Phil Geifer, we got Top Scallops, I got to find Maps, Maps, Ted Leo. You got any other uh, FU or fake FU? I don't think so. I think we're good. Pretty good. Pretty good. It took it took 43 years to happen, but I got my first uh, jury duty uh, oh. thing. Oh, oh, you're getting officially called. Officially called. I have to. I have to register by the end of this month. Not. Mm. I don't need to go there in person, but it's an online thing, and I guess then they assign you a, a day. What they do with ours is they um, basically you call in. After 4.30. Right. Like, you call in on, like, Friday, and for example. It's usually, like, in our... I imagine it's similar. You call in on Friday, and they say, will you be needed? Say, no, call again, you know, Monday after 4.30, et cetera. All right. I think that's how it works. It's a lot better than the old system, you know, where you just go and sit there and wait. Well, that's exciting. This is your incredible journey. Right. Never... Jury, duty's a hell, jury duty's a hell of a thing. It really is a very interesting experience. Well, after hearing you talk a little bit about it on uh, one of the earlier episodes of this show, I've, I've been... I've been intrigued. It's not, I wouldn't necessarily put it in, down as something like I really want to do it, but I, I'm less uh, apprehensive about it than I was before. Yeah. I mean, the problem is like, there's never a convenient time to not be sure what you'll be doing for a given week. So for example, like if, if, uh, if God forbid something catastrophic happened, I would just clear my calendar for however long. Right. If I, but the problem with jury duty is you don't know if you're going to need to cancel. And so in that case, I don't know, that, that one time, that was just a very stressful time for me. I remember that summer, it was just super stressful. And I've been back every year since. I get called every year. Mm. And um, uh, I think maybe, I'm suspecting because San Francisco is a city and a county, they got a superior court, like you could get called for all kinds of stuff. Sure. Did I tell you how I dodged the, the, how much I dodged a bullet last time? I told you this, right? Yes. Tell it again. Well, uh, no, I just, uh, I was kind of stressing a little bit because I'm like, uh 
Monday didn't have to go. Tuesday didn't have to go. Wednesday didn't have to go. I got called in. We had to be there at 1.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Super weird. Usually it's like 8 a.m. on Monday. I get called into this giant room. Long story short, we're we're there for, I don't know, half an hour. And uh, the bailiff walks in and goes, okay, this will serve today as the the courtroom. I was like, what? And the judge walks in, in the robe, whole nine. She comes in and goes, well, you know, I got some good news and some bad news. (laughs) She said, the bad news is that this court case has been continued for a month. So you can guess the good news is we don't need you today. Criminal case that would have taken months. Wow. Yeah. So, but but I mean, there's a lot of people who can't serve that way and they do understand that. The thing to the thing to remember though is I you know I hate when people go off on their whole like high horse about citizenship but like you know if you if you uh, were in that situation you would want to have people who cared yeah. on the jury yeah and it, it is a really interesting experience once you've given up on the fact that you're not going to get out of it and you're, you're well and truly on jury duty is a fa- it's a not say fantastic it's a very very interesting process well, it's it an opportunity right it is you learn a lot about what really sucks about the judicial system. And like, for example, I don't know. I don't know how I ended up doing this. I rarely go out and Google people, but there's a guy in our neighborhood <laughs> that everybody's always talking about on Nextdoor in our neighborhood, which is a terrible website. And I went and I ended up Googling this guy. He's a serial sewer. He, he sues people over like trivial amounts of money. Uh. And then it just always gets dismissed. But like you realize like how like tortured this is. In one of the cases, I think there was a settlement of like $8 after months of court Ridiculous. You know, stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Anyway, it's, it's, but when you're in the midst of it and you're like, you really, you, you have to follow the rules. You have to do it right. You have to do the jury thing properly. And once you absorb yourself in it, it becomes like a video game and you want to be good at it and you want to listen well and you want to take notes and you want to, you know, say and hear smart things from people. But it, it's also a little, it, there are elements of it that are very dispiriting in some ways, I have to say. It's because you see how much it really does depend on the judgment right. of, of, a, of a few human beings. It's a very weird system, but but an important one. So you're gonna go? Are you gonna are you gonna bring a civil war book or something? You gonna do something to try and get out of it? Uh no, I mean I'm just gonna just go and, and do do my thing. I think it's uh you know, it's gonna be an interesting experience. I don't I can see why someone like me, why a a lawyer might not want me as a a juror. Yeah. For a lot of different reasons, but um, I'm not going to go into it with like an agenda to get kicked off the jury, you know, or not be not be selected. I'm I'm just gonna... you might be you might be surprised what they want in a juror because I, there you know that one time when I went in I was totally stressed out and I really didn't want to do it. I had several shows to do, kid stuff, and it's just like uh having to be downtown every right. day yeah. and it's... not know for how long. And it ended up being I think four days, but. Uh, the thing is that you go in there and you go like, well, well, sir, how do you feel about the jury system? Well, I think the jury system is, you know, kind of actually a little bit screwed up. And my experiences with this in the past have not been that great. And uh, you know what? That's exactly the kind of person they want on the jury. They don't want somebody who wants free coffee and made up their mind. They want right. somebody who's skeptical. Yeah. And so that ends up being, you know, it's harder to get out than you think. And to get out of it without seeming like a total dingling is really hard. You end up feeling like kind of a putz. You know, there there are people there that are in a much less generous position than I am who uh, find a way to do it. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you want to tell me about uh, anything else that you like today? I'll tell you about Linda. How's that? Would Linda. That que linda. Que linda. L-Y-N-D-A. Linda.com slash back to work is a place to go to learn about 
Linda, the online learning platform. They have 3,000 on-demand video courses that are made by what what in, in the business we call top dogs. Hmm. These are people who are industry experts. These are people who know what they're doing on whatever their given topic of choice is. Maybe it's a photographer. Well, they'll go and they'll find an amazing photographer to talk about photography, to share what they know, to develop these really, really excellent courses that they work with Linda on. And this is just, I, I can't express, there are not words in the English language that will sufficiently express the difference in quality between something that Linda does and something that someplace else does, especially how do, how do we go and we want to learn? You want to learn how to install, you know, zipper pulls on your bag. You're going to Google that. You're going to find some video. It's a, it's a teenager. They filmed it late at night with a it's flip phone camera. It's going to be some camera. site that's all about brand and getting followers yes. and subscriber numbers and watch more of these videos and break it into, you know, unnecessary parts that aren't that useful. Linda doesn't have to do that because that's not what their model that is. is. Their not. model is to have you really, really learn, appreciate that, and then stay there because you're, you're finding value in it, not just because you're like, you know, pecking at some pellet. That's right. They, they, and the, the way that they structure the courses are really, it's really smart. They break these things down. You know, I think, I guess a typical video might be around an hour, but they break it down into these little digestible chunks so that if you only have five or 10 minutes, you can go and watch a little section and come back later and watch it later. Watch it on your iPhone, watch it on your iPad, watch it on your computer. All of this structured really, really smartly around jumping in, learning something and, and getting out, getting back to work. So that's, that's what Linda's good at. Go check this out, lynda.com slash back to work. If you go there, you'll be supporting the show just by visiting that URL. It helps the show, but it'll also help you because you'll get a free 10-day trial and uh, you can jump in and get access to all 3,000 videos or 3,000 plus videos while you're on your 10-day trial. So again, it's a wonderful way to dive in and, and really master a topic starting from ground zero all the way up. So again, uh, Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to Linda for making this show possible. Buck, buck. Merlin Mann. Merlin Mann. What? <clears throat> I just added links to the show notes for um, the original and an acoustic version of Maps by Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And I also added in uh, Ted Leo's wonderful cover of Century Begone and Maps. Maps. You know I'm going to go listen to that like right after this. Probably, yeah. No, bum, 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 bum. Um, we got. Can we talk about our contemporaneous topic? Yes. Hmm. I got mixed feelings about talking about this because I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people are talking about this, but I, I have. I think I have an angle on this. Uh, in the last couple of days, uh, Dropbox has announced that they are, are going to discontinue. their uh, to use their words, they are sunsetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carousel, which I think is a photo thing. And Mailbox, which is their iOS and at least in beta on Mac uh, email program, uh, which program uh, was originally produced independently and then was acquired for, was it $100 million? Is that how much it was? was, It was up there. I mean, it was a lot. Let me see if I can find this. Yeah. Drop. This is from, here's a, uh, this is in show notes. It's a link from Wired. Dropbox kills Mailbox, an app it bought for $100 million. That's insane. Now, this is the nature of the Aquahire and our incredible journey is that, you know, it's so rare these days when a, when a large company acquires any company, it's pretty rare. 
I you tell me if I'm wrong, but it's for pretty it to rare. Continue? Well, for that product to continue either as its own independent thing. I mean, maybe with something like Nest, that's different a little bit because they they seem to have a very strong personality at Nest. But you know, more I think more often it's an aqua hire, don't you think? They're they're bringing yeah. in the talent, maybe some of the IP, but really the the talent. Well, I'm guessing. I think you're right. And what's frustrating a lot of the time is that they don't they won't acknowledge that or they won't uh, you know they won't bring that out De- definitely not definitely not initially yeah i mean if you look at you look at mailbox it it very quickly became a lot of people's favorite female client it was a wonderful app that replaced mail app for many 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 of my friends and when dropbox bought it a lot of people said including i think both of us and or certainly i did said well i you know its days are numbered now. And I had just right around the time I remember uh, I had had as a guest on one of my shows, one of the creators of Mailbox. And the big thing I think that generated so much buzz around Mailbox was that they had a, a waiting list to get into it, to be able to use it. They were said, oh, we're letting people in in, in large batches of... You <laughs> and know, you could see a six-digit number of how many people were in front of you. Right. And this generated a lot of buzz and a lot of attention. And I would say it was worth it. It was a great app. And uh, I had him on, I, I should put that show in the show notes. And I think I asked him, like, did you just do this to get acquired? And he, no, we didn't, we don't want to be acquired. We're doing, you know, we're, we're, we're building a business. And, <laughs> but what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I, a lot of people tweeting yesterday saying, this is why I don't use this kind of app. This is why I don't, use third-party apps because they always get acquired and then they get shut down. Yeah. Well, I, I have a little bit to say about the stuff that everybody's talking about and then more to say about how you, as we talked about before we started recording, kind of how to, what, what's the phrase I used? How to um, develop a more modern approach to app contingency planning or service contingency planning. I, 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 I'd like to pivot to that eventually. But yeah, to just talk about this. I mean, you know, we've seen this a lot of times I remember there was a time where it felt like Six Apart, which is a company that I love, run by people that I love, uh, actually friends of mine, <laughs> our kids play together. But um, there was a time where Six Apart felt like the place where all the best developers went to never be heard from again, mm. where you had people like Jay Allen who would be out there. And Jay, the stuff that Jay Allen made for, uh, were you ever much of a movable type guy? Yeah, yeah, not, really. not, not to the extent that like you and and. Some of the other works were, yeah, but, but no, for me, it's a cult. I mean, like I, I, by virtue of the fact, I mean, quick, very quick story here. I, um, basically I got my first, what, sh- what do you, what do you call it? Shared hosting account. I got my first shared hosting account in 2000 or 2001, whenever it was to run movable type. It was, uh, I did not know anything. I'd never, I'd used Telnet before, but I'd never had to go in and do things in the shell for more than a second. I, I could not find my way in and out of VI to save my life. Um, Pico, actually, originally. But um, but I got my first shared hosting account to run movable type, and I hired this 20-year-old kid named Ben Trott to, I paid him, I think, $20, $40 to go <laughs> in and set up movable type on wow. my shared account, which he did in the middle of the night, and then wrote all this documentation about, here's what I did with Pearl, and and I was like, oh my God, thank you so much, so much. Uh, and then we got to be pals. Um, but if, and then, but when you got into movable type, God, it was so brilliantly put together and like so canny and it really attracted developers because you could do, I mean, 
Gruber's site, one of the most popular Apple blogs in the world, still runs on movable type. And you could go in and do so much with that crazy meta language. You know, I guess this is in lots of places now, but if you've used movable type your whole life, and when I first moved to some WordPress stuff, I found it completely perplexing. It was so unintuitive to me. Well, but the thing was, all these people would go, like, Neil Dash started working there, and Jay Allen started working there, and, like, all these really smart people who used to be out there and, like, incredibly vibrant in the community would go there, and then they got real quiet. And I feel like that was a little bit of a template mm. for, like, what I would then see personally. That was just my first inroad to seeing that firsthand and saying, like, well, that's weird. Jay doesn't post as much stuff anymore. He used to do, like, the preeminent spam filter, and now we don't hear from him anymore, so he's doing that internally now. And we've seen that so many times with stuff like Google, where, like, when Measure Map got Measure, when Measure Map got acquired, you know, it was like, you know, the Veens kind of disappeared for a little while and got real quiet. And then, of course, that became Google Analytics. Right. That, that's an unusual example because, but, but I think they re- really rebuilt it. God, do you remember what Google Analytics was like before and after the Veens got their hands on it? No, I mean, not, not just Jeff and, and uh, but the whole team. Do you remember how different? I, it was you know that's incredible. the funny thing is I, I I don't I just I don't remember it before it's the way it is now I've been using it so much I have I have like no ability to uh, <laughs> recollect it so much better but that's the thing is that I you think about like with Apple in particular how incredibly rare it is Apple doesn't do that many acquisitions but when it does you can tell it's, you, you don't see that many things where somebody just slaps an Apple logo on a company it's an Apple hire so they're bringing in something. It looks like they're buying the product, but they're really hiring the team, and they want they need need to pay them in a way that's you know commensurate with whatever their equity stake is. Um, but then you know you look at stuff like now let's see. So uh, was it uh, Feedburner? Was that Dave Pell? Did Feedburner? Feedburner wasn't that Dave Pell? Th- anyway, Feedburner. No, he did Rolio. Oh, Rolio, right. Okay. Well, like Feedburner, for example. Uh, got picked up by Google, and we're also excited because oh my God, Google Feedburner is such a beautifully made app. It solved a real problem, and it's to this day it's still a delight to use. It's such a great app. But you know, for me, the sniff that I would always get with Google stuff was, uh, and this is just a, a spitball, but you know, does your app get brought into the single sign-on within a year or so of acquisition? Right, right. If you if you are not part of the single sign-on within a few months or a year of being acquired, I get real suspicious. Interesting, Because obviously if they want, what are some apps that Google acquired? What, Picasa? Like what are some other Google acquisitions that became part of what we think of as Google now? Yeah. Google Mail was internal, right? Google Reader was internal. Uh, Nest recently. Mm-hmm. That's what definitely sticking around. List of mergers and acquisitions by Google. Wow, this is super <laughs> interesting. Oh, that's right. Of course, Blogger. Blogger is still its own thing. Some of the earlier ones, Picasa, Keyhole became Google uh, Earth, right? Urchin. Oh, my God. That's right. Urchin used to be on their own. Yes. Dodgeball (laughs) became Google Latitude. Android is Android. Oh, God. YouTube, right? But but normally what happens is you become part of the big Google machine or part of the... I'm sorry. This is really going on a long time. I like this. Um... We'll get to why this is a little risky for us as users and consumers. Um, but wow, they bought reCAPTCHA? I didn't know that. Bought a lot of stuff. AdMob. God, these names are terrible. Who comes up with these? Slide.com, Jambool, mm. Like.com, Angstro, Social Deck, QuickSee, Planner, Blind Type, 
Wide vine. <laughs> Say now. Vine. Oh, what about for flick? Do you use for flick? <laughs> Double F L I C K for flick or F F maybe F F lick. Zynamics. Beat that quote. Next new. Green parrot. Push life. Talk bin. Spark by. Post rank. <laughs> Fridge. Punched. Pit pat. <laughs> they bought Zagat? So the thing is, you bring in a company like that, and you look at somebody like Dropbox. And, uh, and so they brought in the mailbox thing, you know, and mailbox, what, what distinguished mailbox? I think Mailbox is one of the first ones I remember that had, it was an iOS app with a built-in ability to snooze. You could snooze stuff. You could have these different actions that would would take place on uh, emails. There it was. There was a server side component going on, or component, as you say, a component, as I say. But the sliding to do stuff with email messages, I guess it was around before. Mailbox, but that that feels like where I really was like, oh, I need to have this everywhere. Do you remember Birdfeed? Do you remember the uh, the Twitter app that uh, was it Nevin and Buzz made? Remember Birdfeed? Yeah, I remember that. And uh, Sandy did the Birdhouse, but but Birdfeed oh, was that's a really one. yeah yeah Birdfeed was really canny in how you would use gestures to get at things that you didn't need right now. And it's one of the first apps I remember being really smart about what happened with sliding on a phone. But Dropbox, I don't know, it really felt... When Dropbox acquired Mailbox, I think they were spinning it as, okay, this is great, you got your chocolate and your peanut butter together. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to send your Dropbox files until very recently, it's been pretty hard to do... I think you, you messaged me about this recently. It's been pretty hard to do attachments on iOS forever, right? Yeah. And that's one thing they did was that when Dropbox like integrated the ability to, you know, do stuff with your Dropbox from inside of there. But I don't know, I I'm I'm not a good historian of this, but in my head, as somebody who used Mailbox as my primary iOS email app for a long time, I feel like they really kicked off a revolution in going like, "Oh, okay, nobody really loves mail on iOS, not many of us. And there's a lot of stuff here. This is a big market. What are what are the kinds of things that we can do?" To where it got, where like you now you've got so many options or a fair number of options in email apps that in some ways feel superior to definitely mail on OS X. Don't you think? I definitely do. I, uh, especially on the OS X, I mean, first of all, most of the people that I know are still just using mail app, whether it's on OS X or whether it's on iOS. Most of them are using it. And I have been recently very interested in this, and I've been asking people why. Why do you use uh, the regular mail app? And a lot of them say, because it's there, or because I know it won't be aqua-hired away. You know, like, that is a real fear. And people are, in some cases, just unwilling to try something, not because there's a learning curve, but because they're afraid that it, it's going to go away. I think that's I think that's very true and very real. But I think you also I mean that when you ask it that way, it's it's kind of a strange question to ask most people. It's like my you know how I'm resistant to people asking me why I didn't do something, and I always reply by saying why am I not a potted fern? When you ask somebody why they're not using you know a certain app, well, I think to a vast number of people, and not just simp's, but I think to to a huge number of people, the apps that are on the phone that come with the phone, like you'd really have to have a very you have to have a big reason to even try something else. I mean, I can't even imagine how many people are just using the podcast app 
people, first of all, that that's size, the size of the pie that listens to podcasts on a phone, which is probably not as big as we'd like to think. I bet a lot of them are using the built-in podcast app. Yes, I, I, I think it's a huge, huge, huge amount. And then the power users and nerds are using one of the, what, three or four popular uh, podcast listening apps. Right. But I think there's there's a lot of, I don't even want to call it inertia. I just think the default setting feeling is real. Uh, I don't think most people monkey, even people who have a phone and love it, don't monkey around with that many different kinds of things. And are maybe, and to your point then, maybe a little resistant for whatever reason to trying or adopting these other things. And as, as we're clearly seeing, there are reasons to be skeptical about where you put your stuff and how much you entrust your corpus of data to a given place. And I and understand here, I'm not trying to get all fud about this. Um, right before we recorded, I was listening to, a, uh, they just put a new um, upgrade 66 with uh, with Mike, our friends uh, Mike and Jason, t- uh, talking a lot about this. So uh, that's a great place to go listen to a lot of the inside baseball stuff on this. If it's if it interests you though, I'd like to talk more about like how not just to bitch, but to sort of how do you sanely approach this world in which you don't have the same wristwatch for 50 years. You don't have the same phone number for 50 years. Are there smart decisions that we can make or, or is there a smart attitude that we can adopt about what we use, where we put our stuff and how we not just with backup and sync, but how do we how do we get a good nose for knowing what we should trust where to whom and for how long? Isn't that kind of a, isn't that kind of what we want to talk yes, about? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you maybe want to tell me about one more thing you like? Sure, I can tell you about Unity. It's spelled Y-O-U-N-I-T-Y. Unity is an easy-to-use and free app that enables your computer to work like a home media server. So it gives you access to all of your media files on your computer from your iPhone or your iPad. It's great for anyone who works in an office. It's good for people who are out on the road. You need to get access to stuff. I mean, it it just solves so many different problems. And Again, like this kind of fits a little bit into our topic now. Like this is something you run on your own computer. So if you're not comfortable putting stuff into some cloud service or into some invisible thing up in the sky that you don't control, that you don't maybe even understand how it works or what kind of security is in place, you should check out Unity. It's really, really smart. You always have access to your media and it doesn't take up space on your iPhone or your iPad. This is so useful. You're going on a trip and you're like, well, what movies should we, uh, should we take? Well, we've got all these on our Plex, like at home. How do we get it out of there? Don't worry about that anymore. It's all right here. It could be movies. It could be music. It could be files, high res photos. I mean, all of the stuff that you need, it's all right there. And if you put it on a few of your computers, it'll unify the stuff into one view on the app. So like you have some stuff at work, you have some stuff on your, your wife has a computer, you've got your own machine at home, whatever it is, it's all there. Turn your computer into your own personal media server with Unity. Wonderful, wonderful thing. Again, it's spelled Y-O-U-N-I-T-Y. And the URL to go to is get Unity. Get Y-O-U-N-I-T-Y. Go check them out, getunity.com. Thanks very much to them for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. Thank you, Unity. Yeah, I'm just looking here on my phone at the email apps I have on here. The ones that I could find quickly just by looking for the icons. I got Mail, Mailbox, Spark, Outlook, Gmail, Inbox. I think I used to have one called Boxer. Yeah, I there, remember Boxer. There's a, a similar kind of thing. What's the one that has all the various actions you can do on stuff? It's the action-based email You're thinking app. about Spark? No. 
Spark is on my list, but there's one. Uh, somebody yell it out to me. What's the one everybody's always talking about? It's like it's all. About, it's almost like um, the kind of drafts functionality, but inside an email app, so it makes it real easy to send stuff to OmniFocus and stuff like that. Um, it'll occur to me. There are a lot of options, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have a thought on this. I have less of an answer and, and more of a question, which is, you know. As with backups, so I'm thinking a little bit here about backups and sync. Like you don't realize how much you need backups until you really need a backup. Backups seem like one of those things where you're like, n- none of us is as good as we probably should be. V- very few of us have multiple redundant ways of getting to things, and it isn't until something breaks that you realize how screwed up your backup strategy is. I didn't realize until recently that for some reason, I, maybe because I encrypted it somehow and it got weird, my time machine wasn't backing up, and I didn't realize it. Since I've had this iMac, it has not been backing up the time machine. Mm. I would go in and look at it, and it seemed to be working, but it only has one version. So, I don't know. I don't even know what to do. I guess I go hose it and start over. But, like, just for example, just uh, just uh, last week, you know what? It was after back to work. Something happened where all the... Sh- so, I use NVALT, and NVALT, NVALT has like a, like a, what you call it, a database yeah. that keeps track of all the files. And they, they, you know, they'll tell you, like, don't run this in, in different places. I, with that said, like, I've had pretty good luck running it in several places on Dropbox. Because Dropbox is great about that. Yeah. But I had a file go away where suddenly, like, something got updated from another computer and it, it hosed a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. in the last few hours. And I didn't have my, I didn't have my, uh, time machine backup. Because guess what? That wasn't working. Mm. Um, and I went into Dropbox and went into the trashed files, yeah. and I could find it in there. But then I was like, well, what else am I missing? So I ended up going to Backblaze, opening up Backblaze and saying, show me all the files in this folder that have been backed up in the last day. And that was a pretty fast way to go and get it. But th- again, like I'm pretty pretty good about that. But like I didn't realize how messed up it was until I had to do something with it. So obviously one piece of advice there that, that I need to listen to is test your backups as well as running them. Make sure they still work periodically. You see, that it, it's funny because that is such a good piece of advice. And I think it's so easy to not do that. Like people assume the backup is working and part of a good backup strategy is a test of a backup of your backups themselves. And I I always recall like these days we've talked about before where I was like a sysadmin running like spark stations in a, in a server room and, you know, doing these backups. And the first time that you go to, you know, I, we had a, like a lot of backup tapes, a lot, a lot, a lot of tapes. And we didn't have much because again, like it was so hard to get money to justify like buying new tape drives or buying new tapes. So we were always recycling tapes and there were different levels of backup. Level zero is like everything. And then we would do these incremental backups, which we'd call like a level five backup, level 10 backup. So it was getting different things. So you kind of had a backup that was everything that could take like overnight and into the next day to run with multiple tapes and switching of tapes involved. You could have... A, a more detailed backup, which was weekly, and then you could have like a daily backup. So if depending on which file was accidentally deleted or intentionally deleted that you need to go back, you might have to go back to the nightly backup. You might have to go back to the weekly backup or maybe even the full level zero. And the first time that you go back to a tape and find that that backup didn't work or didn't run or got corrupted or there was a prob- physical problem with the media, which happened all the time. Like 
that makes you really think about checking those backups. I mean, that is a big, a big part of it. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's, it's tangentially related because it gets into this, this bigger issue of, uh, you know, dependability and, and, and fallback and contingency plans. Uh, also, thank you very much to listener Hectic Dad. <laughs> Is that right? Listener, listener Hectic Dad, who reminds me that it is Dispatch is the name of the app that I'm thinking of. Uh, the, the one that lets you do all the oh, right, right, actions. Right, yeah. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I bought that too. I, I buy them all. Um, so I don't know. I just, I guess we don't have to go too deep on this, but I, you know, I, there's various places you're going to be hearing about this a lot because A, a lot of people have been using Mailbox and B, have come to kind of, I want to say rely on it, mm-hmm. but C, stuck with it thinking that it would be there forever and probably be improved. They had betas, new betas of the Dropbox OS, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Mailbox OS 10 app, you know, fairly recently. But, you know, it's not like it's the end of the world. It isn't like your mail is going to go away, but there are consequences. I'm one of those cons. I mean, obviously, anybody who's doing like IT stuff, this is a nightmare. Like, whenever any app gets messed up or changed or goes away, at scale, that can be a problem. So I, I don't imagine that's going to be a huge problem. I imagine this is mostly an app people are using on their personal phones. But for example, uh, Mike Hurley said on um, on Upgrade that, or was it Jason? Anyway, that that basically you really kind of can't keep using Mailbox. That after February, the the uh, the online component, as you described, for snoozing mails will go away. So I don't know. I guess I'm I, I'm looking for a very fairly philosophical discussion. I, I I've been trying to think about it. Like, how do you break this down? Like, what is it? Where are the points of failure? And I think the biggest point of failure is with the app that I'm describing. You got to help me out with this because I'm not going to describe this well. Okay. Is where you've got one app in one tube, where you've got a certain kind of an app that does where there's only one app that does that thing. Maybe that's a proprietary format, right? So one app, one tube. So I, I almost put Evernote in that, except that I think Evernote does combine many different kinds of service. But at the heart of it is the Evernote service, right? I mean, if the Evernote service were to go away or change drastically, th- couldn't that be extremely disruptive? Even if you still like, you, know, you might really like the apps, but if the service isn't there anymore, you're SOL, right? Totally. Right. And then, but I mean, the thing about mail is you've got many apps and one general kind of tube or service, right? So like if you use IMAP or Gmail or you're using, you know, ICS calendar format or what have you, you know, if an app goes away, you'll be bummed. And if it takes away features that you've relied on, you'll be really bummed. And if you end up losing the equivalent of metadata as a result of that, that is all a bummer, but you do still have your mail somewhere, right? Well, in theory, or you, your mail is always going to be somewhere safe, like with IMAP, and it's stored up on the server. So, in that sense, it's a service, right? But, but the I, I'm probably misusing the word, but I want to say metadata. For example, if I snooze, uh, if I snooze an email for one day in Mailbox, right? Mailbox has a way that it deals with that. If I snooze, if I snooze an email for one day in Spark. Spark has a different way of doing that. If I use any of the various Gmail browser plugins, I'm trying to think of, what's that one? Like Boomerang was one. 
people use, um, like, you know, things like SaneBox. Think about what SaneBox does. You know, if you get too many of those things going, you can really clobber yourself. And, and then there are things like where if you, it isn't until you launch the app that it kind of re-remembers what it needs to do. <laughs> right. So on the one hand, it really pays to stick with one way of doing that, one app. Right. Or one, you know, one class of apps. So like mailbox everywhere would be ideal for a lot of people who like mailbox. Outlook everywhere is ideal for people who really like Outlook. So, I mean, it's just that the stakes can be higher if that metadata, the reason you're using that app is, and forgive me if I'm using that word wrong, but the metadata of the snooze data on all this stuff, like to lose that is a bummer. Like, where does that, where does that mail go? Was it just going to sit in a folder now that that's not getting noticed by an app? So, I mean, there are downsides. I don't think, I, I mean, I'm sorry for anybody, including me, who loves Mailbox. I don't think it's catastrophic for most people. Don't you think? No, it, it's it, it's not. It's more, I would put it in the category of irritating. And people seem to take things like this so personally, like it was, it's something horrible that's happened to them. Like it's some kind like, of. Like a, like a person did this to them. Right. <laughs> like on like on purpose and and like and then they feel they feel almost dumb for like why did i believe that mailbox would be different and dropbox would be different never again never never again again. and and you know like people that i i like and admire and respect say things like this all the time and you know there was there was one comment that uh i'm trying to uh to look at where I saw it, because I think it was, uh, again, oh yeah, so uh, Sean King, who I, I like and uh, and have done podcasts with a lot, he has a link on uh, Jim Dalrymple's loopinsight.com, the loop about this, saying goodbye to Carousel and Mailbox, and he, he writes, I never used either product in part because of this. And in other words, he says, I've been around long enough to see dozens, if not hundreds of services come and go. I rarely rely on new services. He says he will, he will test them simply because to paraphrase Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz products come and go so quickly around here. Uh, (laughs) but you know, like he, and he's, if, if that's his attitude, he's missing out and we'd all be missing out if we didn't try these things out. And of course, when one comes out that like we like it and we're excited about it and we want to use it. And then that service, like you're talking about with Evernote uh, or Todoist is another good example of one that, that has a service behind the scenes, Wonderlist, a service behind the scenes, Trello. If the, if Trello went away for any reason, I would not be happy about it. But like, I also understand that Microsoft could go away and you know what? Apple could go away too. It doesn't seem likely in 2015, but like I might one day have to find a new place to get my phones and watches and computers and tablets from. Right, right. It seems incredibly unlikely, but. But there's there's a lot of, uh, I'm with you on all of those, but there are a lot of, you know, whistle stops along the spectrum yeah. for, for in between. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Evernote's going to go away anytime soon, but here's another way to look at it. I mean, I, I think about FeedBurner, honestly. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I, I run all my podcasts through FeedBurner, and there's been times when I thought, like, oh man, I wonder if that's such a good idea. In the same way <clears throat> as like with using Bitly. Like, I, I thought from the beginning, I thought, man, Bitly is amazing. Uh, the ability to go in and like have your own kind of vanity URL, all that stuff. But something people had warned me about all along was like, well, what happens if Bitly goes away and all those links die? And also the idea like, well, like for that matter, what if for some reason I lost that domain that right. all those were on? Yeah. Or what if 
as some people have talked about, like what if Bitly starts inserting weird stuff or putting remember like when Dig first put a frame around what you link to and stuff like that? Yeah. Like what if what if they did something dastardly like that? Because, you know, p- part of the problem is, and you know this from watching Shark Tank, um, <laughs> yeah. what, makes, what makes a company or a product valuable, it has several things to it. And I, 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 you know, it's funny to see this like over and over on Shark Tank. It's a lesson that I guess I, I have to relearn is that it has to be, there has to be a barrier to entry. There has to be something you're doing that would not be easy for somebody else to replicate. You need a way to have a certain kind, you need to have like high margins, preferably, Right. Otherwise, Mr. Wonderful is going to want to get paid back a unit at a time, as he does. Uh, so there's all these things. About, but what it amounts to is like you want to make a lot of money and get a, a giant amount of market share as quickly as possible with something that is mostly to the extent possible, hopefully proprietary and that somebody else can't do well. Is that, isn't that, I mean, am I being cynical or isn't that kind of how a, like a, a, a goods business works? No, that's exactly right. And, and it's that. You know, that, that as you as the creator of the business have to bring the other thing they say is like, what do you bring as an individual that someone else couldn't do? And yeah, so that's exactly right. I used to think of it, this is another one of my made up terms. I used to call it the Labor Day weekend problem. We're like, be careful of any company where Google with their unbelievable scale, and let's always say it, Google is made of scale. It seems like they're about ads, but they're really about scale. Scale and ads. Ads is how they make money, but scale is what Google is. The Labor Day weekend problem is uh, my, my name for be careful about a company that Google could pretty much replicate over Labor Day weekend. Right. Like the basically a three day weekend and they could get something close enough. Look at what happened with Instapaper. Like when Apple brought their crappy little read later service. I mean, that took a giant. I think that ended up being part of what took a hit out of those read later services. For sure. For sure. Because again, like. It, it it was no it's longer. Like, it's like it's like the mail app on the phone, right? Yeah, it's not something that was special. It was something that was built in, and people who never knew about those kinds of services would just use this new feature that was part of the operating system or part why, of their. Why browser. wouldn't I? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? It's close enough, right? So you know, I'm, I'm being a little bit uh, tricky and Socratic here, but uh, if we take it as read, we learn from Shark Tank. You want a product that can be very fast, uh, be very. Um, Potentially very profitable. It, well, you want to grow fast. You want to get a lot of users fast. You want something proprietary about it that other people can't replicate, uh, hopefully can't replicate at all. I mean, one reason they're not putting a lot of money into people who make mango jam is like anybody could theoretically make mango jam. Right. Like, what do you have? And that's where we get to scale. So what is it about your business where you can scale up and where you will scale up? Mr. Wonderful is not going to make an investment if there's not going to be a 10x return on this. That's right. Right? This is It's, it's not a business. It's a hobby. Like kidding aside, though, what does that mean for us as users or consumers, if you like? And that's where it gets complicated because all of the things that we're talking about there, there's not going to be that many people out there who put a lot of resources into making an open source app that relies on an open format, right? Um, in the case, I think one reason we've seen so much, it's interesting to think about stuff like Twitter apps, think about stuff like email apps on iOS in both cases, is that for a long time, Twitter's API uh, was so powerful and you could do so much with it to, to paraphrase John Gruber. It became the playground for iOS development. Like you would see what you could pull off with an iOS app by making a Twitter app, right? There's so many, so many like models for how we interact with stuff that kind of started out with Twitter apps. Yeah. 
well, at least in my mind, I don't know if that's true. No, I agree with you. But there's not going to be that many. So in that case, we were fortunate because the API was so open and so generous for so long that you could, it was a playground. You could go make what you want and you didn't have to invent the wheel. You didn't have to fail where others had failed by going out and trying to create a social network, right? You get one wrapper on your social network and all of a sudden you think you're like, you know, you're, you are the new, um, friendster. Right. All those things went away. But. I think when you get into stuff, and again, email apps, another example, because if you're using IMAP or Gmail, uh, you're pretty much good to go. But let's think, think about those other things. Proprietary, scale, big user base. It's kind of a perfect storm for getting screwed over, <laughs> right? Because if you get into something, let's say Evernote had not been as good as Evernote has been. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's got its blemishes these days. There's stuff that drives people crazy about Evernote as well as the true believers. It's always been a little bit crazy to get your stuff out of Evernote. And I think that's on by design. It's nothing against Evernote, but I think Evernote wants you to be the place where stuff goes, where you look stuff up, but they don't want you taking it somewhere else. Right. There is no Evernote. I don't think there's an Evernote to go that's going to turn that into you know text files for you. No. So that's the concern to me, is that when you get into something where I think, I guess what I'm trying to get at from a philosophical standpoint is to be, 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 be thoughtful before you go all the way in on an app or a service, before you put all your data into there, like understand what, think about at least what you're getting into and be aware of the potential risks of what that company is going to be facing as they try to scale that up to something that's around for five years. And, you know, as, as I have had experience with in the past of building something and building a service and then selling it to another company and seeing it go away, uh, when the whole point was to sell it to a place that wouldn't make it go away. You know, I think that's definitely like a disappointing kind of a feeling from the creators. But, you know, they, I don't think people should be angry at at them because who knows like what the story was behind the scenes. Perhaps the people at Dropbox told the mailbox folks, this is something we really want to, we really want to move into this space. This is something we want to do. And you guys have done it so well. And we're, right, right. we're serious about this and we want to invest in this and we want you to keep doing the great work that you've been doing. And you know what? Like business changes, right? So they go from, wow, this is, we're going gangbusters. We're all in to, we're pulling out of this space completely uh, effective one month from now. Right. And, and, and yeah. they don't, you know, so I like. I think we all always have that feeling of like it's almost a foregone conclusion that oh man, that service we really like got bought, and they say they're going to continue it, but they're not really going to continue it. Well, and and it's I think even if you assume, as I would choose to do, to assume the best intentions, um, you I don't you know maybe it's not always sane to assume the best intentions because in retrospect, when you look back at some of these things, you go oh yeah, they knew all along what they were going to do. They just didn't want to tell us because they you know it didn't serve them any purpose to tell us at a time that would have been more sane for yeah. us, but. I'm thinking now of uh, before Twitter, there was uh, Odeo. And Odeo, uh, as we talked about numerous times, um, boy, that was such a game changer. Ev's company for basically hosting, distributing, and finding podcasts before the iTunes store. Right. And it was really, really neat. It was a beautiful app. It was fun to use. They were moving very, very quickly. They had some extremely talented people that were moving very quickly in a space that was pretty much very few people were very interested in. Yeah. But the deal was Odeo eventually introduced this thing where you could go in and if memory serves, I, I seem to remember uploading my files to Odeo. Yeah, I did. You would I, go to, I think that's how it worked. 
that's how it worked. You would go into Odeo and it would do all the heavy, they had a beautiful like Ajax uh, uploader, one of the first I, I remember seeing, beautiful Ajax uh, experience. And long story short, it didn't work out. And uh, eventually they would go on to do Twitter, but uh, you know, eventually they sold off Odeo. Right. And do you remember what happened? No. I, I, I feel like they sold it to Russian gangsters or something. <laughs> like within like, within like a couple weeks, there was spam everywhere. There was no way to remove spam. And eventually it got to where you couldn't change anything about your own podcasts. There was no way to log in and change it. And so like, as with Bitly, as with, and again, I don't mean to cast aspersions here. I'm just talking about there are certain very fault intolerant systems where it won't take a lot for it to go completely broken. Something like Bitly, something like FeedBurner, something like Odeo, you know, it's like the chicken and the pig, right? Like you are really committed. You are invested in this thing. And if even fairly small things change about it, you're just, you're done. You're over with. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing where like, if you think about like having a podcast with a feed somewhere, what's, what's the one that people are using now instead of FeedBurner? What's the one everybody uses? Isn't there one that like, not Rolio, but, um, I don't know. You've got to know you're a podcast guy. Isn't there, isn't there one the stuff that I've been building for other people to use for a year? So Mm, snap. Uh, anyway, there's a a service that's like FeedBurner. FeedBurner, I think is, is, uh, I mean, isn't it kind of just on life support that didn't they say a long time ago that they're basically, it's EOL. Yes. But like all oh, my feeds are in FeedBurner. No. Like, what will happen? It's crazy to think about. It, and that's the thing is like, what are you going to do? Well, guess what? Like, use the best thing that you can find, and if you know, and have a have a, a backup plan. You know, like use the thing that you like to use the most. And it, even so, like nowadays, when something does go away, we generally do get a notice. Though, you, like you were saying, like the writing will be on the wall the app stops getting updated or it doesn't get integrated into the universal sign-on or whatever and then when when the apps are announced that they're going away even when they're a service usually we have a warning like this i think they said um mailbox is going going to be working until february 26 i think that's right i think that's right so like that's that's a couple good months of time to figure out an alternative for it Right, but the, the, so like I guess part of this is a lecture to me of several years ago, <laughs> which is that you know once once there are certain kinds of things where you wouldn't want it to go away because you like using it and it's going to be inconvenient right. if it goes away right. or just a bummer. Nobody likes a bummer. Right. But then there are other things that like that are potentially catastrophic. Not catastrophic. I mean, you're not going to die. But like, if FeedBurner just went away, like when FeedBurner again, infinite time scale, when FeedBurner does go away because everything eventually goes away, mm-hmm. uh, what'll happen? You know, and that's that's the thing to think about. Is and this is where we come back to Mister Wonderful. Is that these companies are are jockeying for position in a market where people are going to push and push and push them to do things. And I, I, I say this without judgment. I think I'm just being honest, and you can tell me if I'm not. They're going to be pushed and pushed and pushed, not to make an open app that's easy to transport everywhere, to make something that's difficult for others to replicate and difficult for others to replace. Yeah. So something like a proprietary format, something like you know for a long time what dot doc x on on word it was a deliberate attempt to make you have to use word it wasn't to make your life easier it was that's that's the model is they want you to need to re-up your license every year on office otherwise your stuff won't work you see i just but that i think you're right and that's something that i i feel like is changing or should have changed and i think the best services out there that we use are the ones who say you can get your stuff out of here 
pretty easily. Maybe they even have an exporter of some kind. And I feel like companies that do that, they're taking a risk, like for sure. But at the same time, that's creating a much pre- more peaceful feeling for yeah. the users. And it also says something else behind the lines, which is we feel so confident that we've built something that's really great that we 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 know that this, you'll see this as a feature and you'll want to use our service or product or whatever because you'll believe that we are great too. Like we're so confident in this cool thing that we've built that we say, yes, of course you can take your data and your thing and your podcast, your feed, whatever it is, and like move it away if you find something better. But guess what? We're going to work hard every day so that there isn't something better. I think a lot of companies would see that as, totally see that as a sign of weakness or of like your investors would not want to see that you spent any time on an exporter, right? Think about it. Like you're going like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm investing in your company so you can help people take their stuff somewhere else. Are you high? Yeah. Like I, I could see that being a very awkward conversation. And like, you know, I, I'm going to say two syllables that are becoming a little controversial uh, amongst my friends and quietly with me too, mm-hmm. Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Tumblr has gotten real weird. Uh, not even, I don't want to say just since the Yahoo acquisition, but they've got a job to do. They've got work to do. Tumblr was a place where, whatever, however many years ago, I said, I'm going to hang my domain name here and make this a place where I blog. I love the idea of what used to be called a Tumblog. Uh, and, you know, just an idea of like, it's, it's a very lightweight website where you can put any kind of ephemeral stuff, but where I could also post something if I wanted to have a post on there. And Tumblr, um, is getting pushed in a lot of strange directions like that right now. It's, I think they're trying a lot of different things. They really want you to ask questions to these celebrities I've never heard of. That's at the top of the page. That won't go away. There's the radar thing that you're not supposed to get rid of over here. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of ads. Um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of suggested following stuff. And, and I, again, I, I, God love you all at Tumblr. Thank you for your work and your service. And I love what you make, but it becomes very, here, here's the problem with Tumblr is Tumblr's value proposition in a lot of ways was like, this is your little space. In, in along the lines of like whatever MySpace or whatever, in some ways, you get to go decorate this and theme this. You get to follow who you want. You get what you want. But like one thing you see a lot with social networks is what starts feeling like a place for you and your pals rapidly or maybe less rapidly, but eventually more and more stuff gets put in there that's not for you, except in as much as they want it to be for you. So, like, stuff where I used to do a search. I would do a search on, oh, like, posts about Kitty Pride, And now I'm getting all this creepy, like, Kitty Pride cosplay <laughs> comes in. Or, like, like one time I went and searched for this one thing, and now that's starting to show up here. So, you know, in that case, so what do I do? I mean, I'm, I'm, they took away the reply button. Like, one of people's favorite things was the reply button, basically, like, leaving a comment. But I guess they want you to, you know, re, re-blog something, repost something. They've got their reasons. But, you know, when, when you start to get that little sniff of, uh, you know like kind of rotten garbage smell just a little bit. You kind of can't stop noticing it. And you go like, oh no, this is not going to go well. This is going to keep getting weirder. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't see myself hate quitting Tumblr anytime soon, but you know, we've all had these experiences. So anyway, we were running along here, but I just think it's, I think it's advisable for me talking to myself here to, to really, to really think about how committed we should find that joke again with the pig and the chicken. But you know, um, Oh yeah. What's the punchline? What's the punchline from that? The, the the pig and the chicken. The chicken basically comes to the pig and says, "Hey, you know what we should do? We should partner. We should start a breakfast restaurant." And uh, the pig's like, "Oh no way! No way am I starting uh, a breakfast restaurant with you." And the chicken's like, "Why not?" And the pig says, "Well, you're you're invested, but I'm committed. I'm committed. Ham and eggs. 
ham and eggs. Like the chicken can always make more eggs, but the ham only gets one one shoulder, <laughs> right? I guess technically two shoulders, but um, <laughs> which they call the butt, uh, oddly enough. So you know, I guess I I want to be, and I, I don't mean this as a fud thing, and I don't mean this as a like you know a bitching thing, but I think it really is advisable to think about what starts out as something as simple as I'm going to try this service can very quickly become something where you do become very invested, involved, and then eventually committed to it. And I just think it's wise to probably think about contingency plans for like what happens if this changes drastically. Yeah, you've got to have a backup plan for it, even if the backup plan is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating another place with this same data in it every time I do an update. Like I know people that are that worried about it, that they're that worried that something will just go away. But I mean, the starting point is like if it's free or really cheap, that that should raise your hairs a little bit. I agree. I totally agree. Um, and I, I think you don't even have to be a cynical person. Right. If you were walking down the street and like, let's say you walk past the same place on the way to the subway every day and there's always somebody there that was offering you a steak dinner for free. You, you would, I mean, my first thought would be like, you gross. And my second thought would be, what's the catch? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you giving me free food? That cost you something. Yeah. That took your time. That took resources. Uh, and so, you know, I've, Marco used to talk about this a lot. I think even, even on Build and Analyze, like, my gosh, uh, it's hard to trust an app or a service until they figure out a way to charge you for it. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily true with stuff like podcasts, but I think that is true if it's a service, you know, and there's, of course, there's always the joke everybody makes. If you don't know what the product is, it's probably you. Yeah, yeah. So can we do one last thing that I think people are going to want to, if we don't do this, they're going to kill us. Yeah. Uh, could, could we talk a little bit about uh, what apps we like or use or recommend if you're somebody who likes Mailbox, sure. or you're somebody who's looking for a good iOS mail app, you've recently had a uh, a convergence in the way that you uh, change the way that you think about and deal with email. What are you liking for mail on iOS, and what are you potentially recommending and for whom? You know, I have been trying out every single mail app that I could on iOS, and I I will say that for all of its flaws, the built-in mail app, the one that comes with iOS, is... A, it's it's so much better than it used to be, but I, I won't put it in my recommended category just yet. I'm very curious to see what the Riedel guys do with Spark for iPad. Yeah, but I know that both of us have used uh, Spark for for iOS on our iPhones, and that that one ranks pretty high. The interface is different it's doesn't have it's different in the way that like tweetbot is different you know what i mean like it right so that's actually a pretty good comparison it's got a lot of chrome right but it does it, it gets developed pretty quickly there's they're always adding features and Riedel is I, I mean i don't know the people super well I, I think i know dennis there yeah but like i don't know them super well but uh but they are a company that sells applications for ios right Right. That's their model. Their model is we made this software. We want you to buy it. That by itself is kind of promising. Yeah. There are not, you know, there are not that many actively, even just to agree with you, like you, I've tried, I have tried and will continue to try pretty much all of them. If not just because I like to laugh at how many say inbox zero at some point. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but also, you know, in the case of of Spark, I agree with you. I'm very interested to see where that's going. So I have high, high hopes for that. I spent a, a lot of time using Microsoft Outlook. Uh, on the so on the it's iPad, so good. <laughs> there's there's a lot that I like about it. There's some things that I find are excess for me, and it doesn't 
Microsoft has managed to make a really good app that doesn't really feel like an iOS app. Does that make sense? Am I being too say picky that, say about that again? They've managed to make a really great app that somehow still doesn't feel like you're using iOS when you use it. It it feel yeah, it feels very solemn. Yeah. It's uh, it's there's something about it that's very um very professional right. and businessy. It feels but like I don't, what you I would... don't I don't hate that. I don't hate that. No, it's not. I don't hate it either. I just don't like I don't I don't know, I don't like it. I don't hate it. What is that what you're using now a lot? Well, <laughs> I have a couple that I can nominate. I mean, to cut to the chase, I think Spark is very interesting and very much one to watch. Yes. It's very fun. Yes. Spark is one Spark is one that has a lot of really neat features, and I think they care about making it good. I think those guys are very competitive, yes. and they really, just their personalities, and they really, like I use their calendar app, Calendars, yep. on iOS. Yep. It's, it's fantastic. And unlike Sunrise, it will not... And <laughs> be sunsetted anytime soon. Right. The See calendars, ca- yes, calendars is my calendars five is my app on iOS for calendars. That's the only one I use. And so, what's funny is that, um, and I, I have there's another angle we should talk about in just a quick second. But Outlook for Mail is, uh, I think it's is pretty darn good. It looks real pro. Inbox. I remember I play with Inbox. Dispatch. Gmail. Has lots Gmail's of- Inbox. Uh, yeah, Gmail's inbox is like, it's like the MacBook. <sighs> like, it's a lifestyle. You, you have to really... There are some people love it, that, some people hate there it. There are things about it, I feel like it's... And this is the whole point, right? It's, yeah, it's ma- not right for me. It's <laughs> making decisions for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, and and yeah. I don't generally don't like its decisions. Right, right. Um, Do you ever well, use just the regular Gmail app? I have, I have used it. Well, you know, here's a challenge. When I um, I have uh, some friends that I, I I'm kind of their go-to as-needed productivity guy. Some friends of mine who make comics, and um, they have this really busy, rapidly growing group of about five people who do a lot of stuff with a lot of things. And uh, in one of the one times I was visiting with them and talking with them, one thing became very clear. Although they could not all say the same reason why, they all agree, agreed that they hated all email apps. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I have to tell you, that is a very common reaction. But, you know, like Anna Karenina, they all hated them for different reasons. There are some reasons. There's basically one reason everybody hates mail on the desktop. Uh, not everybody. Many people dis- dislike. I'm trying to stop saying hate. One reason many people dislike using mail on OS X is it is very slow, very unreliable. Yep. Uh, it does get better, but like it's still, if you're using email for your work, it really gets in your way. Yeah. So here's my challenge, is I had to take these folks, there's like, uh, I think about, including the interns, like five or six people, and they are mostly, they're all on Mac laptops and desktops. Most of them have iPhones. Some have Android phones. Okay, that's the start. Okay. Ready for this now? Yes. Here, let's, let's, let's continue with this, because I think this is not unusual for a team or even a family. Get ready for this now. Some, uh, they all have uh, email accounts hosted on, you know, uh, a popular uh, service, mm-hmm. Hover, and uh, who, who does pretty good IMAP email. Almost all of them have Gmail accounts. Almost all of them have more than one account. So, you tell me, what is the best app for all of those people to use? Because I can tell you, either A, 
it's not, it won't support one of the things they need it to do, right. including in some cases, like if it's not a Gmail account, you can't use the app, right? There's some apps that are Gmail, Gmail only. only. A lot of people don't know that because they don't use anything but Gmail. If you've got a Fastmail account or if you've got a Hover account, that may not work. Uh, here's the other one. Uh, it's either not going to work or it's going to suck butt. Um, <laughs> some of them are pretty, pretty bad. So that's challenging. And so I've had to go and look at all of these and go like, and really get to where I go, I think this one's going to be right for you. There is no one app that's going to work for everybody. I am confident saying. Because either it doesn't exist for all the platforms, or in the case of Outlook, like, have you ever tried to use the calendar in Outlook on iOS? Yes. I don't think it's done. <laughs> well, that, that's what can I meant edit, when I... Can you edit things? I don't can know. I, that's what I meant it? when I said, like, I don't, I don't really like some of the extra stuff. Be, like, for me, if you're going to integrate a calendar into, uh, into an email app and have it be like a tab that you can tap at the bottom of the screen... It should have some kind of awareness that when somebody says, should we meet for lunch at Noble Sandwich Company today at 1.30, that that's like a thing ready to be put onto your calendar in one tap. Like, y- yes, it should notice that. But this doesn't. Outlook doesn't. So uh, I'm looking at this right now. I'm looking at today. Wow, it's already December 8th. Um, Skype, record back to work with Dan Benjamin. Sliding takes me to the next page. That's really cool. I don't see any way to edit this event. Right. I cannot figure out how to edit an event inside the calendar program. So maybe I've set something up wrong. Maybe I'm goofy in the head. But like, you know, it, it's just, <laughs> you really just want somebody to make something super solid. But you know, super solid is not sexy. You want to have all the gears and whizzy things. Yeah. So I, anyway, I would say how, if you're doing just email on iOS, Outlook is pretty good. I think it's free, right? Yes. Um, and I think... Mailbox is going away. Spark is going to be continue to be one to watch. I will feel great about recommending Spark again when it looks better on iPad. So what are you doing right now? <laughs> Using Mailbox? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's still what I compulsively hit. I get the notification. I click on it. It opens up. Mailbox has been broken forever. Like, quoting has been screwed up on Mailbox for as long as I can remember. Um, so... Um, I don't know. I guess I think this is still an area to watch, but I think Spark is definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, and I, I think you can, I don't, I hate vouching for people, but I think you can trust them to do a good job with what they're doing. And they do listen to feedback. It gets updated a lot, I think. I mean, I've got a development version, so I, I get, you know, updates quickly. Yeah. So I feel pretty good about saying, have a look at Spark, have a look at Outlook. What Are there any that you feel comfortable recommending? No. <laughs> no, I mean it. I've like I've this is something I, I spend every single day. I, I'm not sure whether it's five minutes a day or in some cases it's a whole lot more, just experimenting with and using different email clients on iOS, looking for one that I feel is is really good. And if I find one that seems to be competent, I'll spend a day or two using it and only it. And if uh, this is gonna sound dumb, but like if I'm not a little bit excited about checking my email with it then that's a, a good indication that, you know, that, that maybe it's not great. And I haven't found one that's great. I haven't found one that works that well. And the sad thing is, like, I keep going back to Mail App. That's the worst part of it. Uh, it really it really wants to be used. Yeah. I mean, it's it's if you think about, like, the way that you get access to things through the extensions or just, you know, it's just it's omnipresent. It's 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 everywhere. Um 
So yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah. There's not anyone, even even if you take out the "is it for everybody" thing. There's not that many that you could feel great. You know, it's funny. I still use Gmail on the desktop, and I've gone back to Mailplane recently on OS. Oh, 10. really? Yeah, Mailplane's such a hack, but it's really real. I think it's a neat app. Mailplane basically is what would you call it? A wrapper around the web view yeah. of Gmail, but it does lots of cool stuff, and you could do things like say, like send this to OmniFocus and stuff like that. But uh, this is something to watch, right? I think we'll probably come back to this because, you know, email is such a fact of life. But I would say just, you know, as far as advice, uh, have a look at some of those apps. Um, support the people who do good work by paying them for it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's okay. You can spend five or ten bucks on, on an app. It's not going to kill you. If you right. use it every day, you know what I mean? You, you spend that on delivery pizza. Like, why not, why not invest in an app? Like, even if you just try it out, support them. But uh, I think we'll come back to this, you know. Be, be circumspect before you go too deep on something without being certain what it is that's going to enable that company to stay around. Yeah, I agree. And the way you talk, it's almost like maybe we'll do another show some point in, in the future. I think if, if everything goes well, you know what? Let's take it a week at a time. Okay. Um, thank you for doing the show, Dan. <laughs> Here's to 250 more. There you go, man. We can't do that. We've got to tell people the show is not over. It's not oh over. God. It's not over. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get a text expander for this. It's well, not. Here's over. the 250 more. Amen. L'chaim. Okay. Ah, Mazel Tov. Ding. Okay, let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. Yeah.